The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Well, good morning, church. I want to welcome you if you are here in person or if you're online. We want to welcome you. If you're visiting today, uh, you're our special guest. It's an honor to have you. And we'd love to get to know you if you'd bless us with that opportunity. And so if you stick around and let some of us introduce ourselves to you. And so church, if you see someone you don't know, introduce yourself. And if it's someone that's been here for a long time, just suffer that embarrassment and just introduce yourself anyway, okay? We're really glad that you're here. And I want to bless you with this. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be upon each and every one of you this day. We're in a sermon series called The Word of the Lord, and our texts today come from Psalm 84. So at the end of the text, I'm going to read, I'm going to say the Word of the Lord, and I want you to join in with me in saying together, thanks be to God. Here's our text, Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, it even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, they are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. For better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk, whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for your word. For your word is our life and it comes to us and we know it parches the dry land. It fills us up. It makes us whole. God, so today we pray as always for ears to hear your word, for hearts to follow, for lives that will obey. And God, I pray for the gift of preaching. And God, we thank you for the word of the Lord. And we all say together, thanks be to God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 
Yes, I'm ready now. Then close your eyes and tap your heels together three times. And think to yourself, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's, there's no, no place like home. There's no place like home. Up, honey. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place. Dorothy, Dorothy, dear. It's Aunt M, darling. Oh, Annie, Annie. It's you. Yes, Hello darling. there. Anybody home? I, uh, I just dropped by because I heard the little girl got caught in the big... Well, she seems all right now. Yeah, she got quite a bump on the head. We kind of thought there for a minute she was going to leave us. Oh. But I did leave your Uncle Henry. That's just the trouble. And I tried to get back for days and days. There, there, lie quiet now. You just had a bad dream. Sure. Remember me? Your old pal, Hunk? Oh. <laughs> me? <laughs> Hickory? You couldn't forget my face, could you? But it wasn't a dream. It was a place, and you, and you, and you, and you were there. Oh, <laughs> But you couldn't have been, could you? Well, we dream lots of silly things when we... No, Aunt Em. This was a real, truly live place. And I remember that some of it wasn't very nice, but most of it was beautiful. But just the same, all I kept saying to everybody was, I want to go home. And they sent me home. <laughs> Doesn't anybody believe me? Of course we believe you, Dorothy. Oh, but anyway, Toto, we're home. Home. And this is my room. And you're all here. And I'm not going to leave here ever, ever again. Because I love you all. And, oh, Annie M, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. That's a classic movie, and you guys know the story of Dorothy, who gets swept away in a tornado out of Kansas, swept away from her house, from her family, from her friends, and she ends up in this strange place called Oz. And she begins this long journey, because the thing that she wants most throughout the whole movie is to get back to Kansas. The place she wants more than, the thing that she wants more than anything, that she, she has this deep yearning for, that she has this overwhelming desire for, is to get home. And so, she appears in Oz. And it just so happens that her house, of course, that's taken away by a tornado, lands on one of the wicked witches. And then Glenda, the good witch, appears and says, well, the faster, you should, the faster you can get out of here, the better. And she says, oh, there's nothing I want more. Dorothy says, there's nothing I want more than to get out of this place and to get back to Kansas. But I, I, can't, I can't go back the way I came. And Glenda, the good witch, says, 
It's true. You can't go back the way you came. But there is one person that knows the way back. His name, they call him the wonderful Wizard of Oz. And Dorothy says, well, is this wizard? Is he good or bad? And Glinda says, oh, the wizard is good, but he's mysterious. And he lives in the Emerald City. And she says, well, how do I, how do I get to the Emerald City? And she says, well, it's a long journey. Did you bring your broom? And of course, Dorothy says, no. And she said, well, then you're going to have to walk. She says, but how am I going to know how to get there? Where do I begin? And Glinda says this. She says, well, you should start in the beginning. And you should just put one foot in front of the other and follow the yellow brick road. And as she sees the yellow brick road and Glinda goes off, she says, but wait, wait, what if, what if I? And she goes, just follow the yellow brick road. And then Dorothy puts one foot in front of the other. And, well, you'll see the rest. Follow the yellow brick road. 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 Follow, 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 follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick, follow the yellow brick, follow the yellow brick road. You're up to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. You find he is a wizard of wizard, if ever a wizard of Oz. And then Dorothy is off on her journey. She's off to see the wonderful Wizard of Oz because, 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 because of the wonderful things he does. And she's off, and she's sent out with a song on the way. I play that because Psalm 84 functions like that song. It's a song for the journey. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the, and now that's all you're going to th- sing all day long. It's going to be stuck in your head. All these wonderful songs that we sang this morning, and the Yellow Brick Road's the one that's going to be in your head. Sorry, Brett, I messed that up. Didn't really think about that. But it's a catchy tune, and it's a, it's a song for the journey. Psalm 84 is a song for the journey. Because Israel, God's people, would regularly take pilgrimages to Jerusalem. And we see from Psalm 5 and 6, it says, Blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, those who pass through the valleys and go from strength to strength until they appear before the Lord of Zion, until they enter into God's house. It's a song that pilgrims sang on their journeys as they made the pilgrimage to be in the presence of God. 
And there were several reasons why they made these pilgrimages. There's at least three in the Old Testament. The first is this one. They went for the celebration of fest the festival of the unleavened bread. This was the one where they celebrated the Exodus and they remembered how God delivered them out of Egypt. The second festival they would go to uh, at another time in the year was the, the festival of the weeks where they would bring their first fruits and their harvest to God. And then the final festival they would go to is the festival of the tabernacle where they bring their wheat and their wine. And it would be this huge celebration of God's blessing. But according to the psalm, the real reason they went on this journey. The real reason they made this pilgrimage three times a year was because of this deep yearning, this overwhelming desire to be in God's presence. Psalm 84 verse 2 begins with this proclamation of desire. He says, my soul yearns, it even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. They cry out not only for the living God. It's not that just God is alive and they cry out for the living God. But that, that really means when it says the living God, she's not talking about a God who's alive. But what they're saying is that I cry out for the God who is the giver of life. The very heart of this psalm is a deep yearning and overwhelming desire for God's presence. Like Dorothy, the pilgrim just wants to be home. He wants to go home to the presence of God. And he tells us why. He tells us why he desires so much to be at home in God's presence. He tells us why God is our home. This is the presence of God is our very home. And because the first reason is he's the giver of life. Verse three and four says this. He says, even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. It gives this image of the temple, the place where God dwells, is kind of being this garden. Because it talks about birds and sparrows. It talks about them laying, they're building their nest and laying eggs and raising their young. This is a place where not only you and I and God's people find life, but the birds of the air. Where perhaps other creatures gather and find life that in the presence of God he gives life and the psalmist wants to say it's not only for you and I it's for all of creation he gives all creation life he's also the one that gives us strength He's the one that gives us vitality. He strengthens us when we're weak, when we're dry. He, he refreshes us with cool rain. He sends, sends rain to the dry valley. Verse 5 and 7, it says this. 
go on to five and seven. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. What it's talking about there is that actually some scholars actually think that the Valley of Baca at the time when the pilgrims would travel, that this wouldn't be the rainy season. That it would actually be quite dry through that valley. So they think it's this metaphor as they travel through this harsh, harsh place that it's this metaphor of the God who gives blessing, who actually provides blessing through hardship. That he's going to even use the dry valleys and the hard times of your life to somehow, some way, bless you. But the psalmist goes on there. From that, he says, he's our shield and our protector. He's not only one provides blessings through, uh, through hardship and valleys, but he shields us and protects us from life, a life that will potentially completely overwhelm us. Verse 8 and 9 says this, Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me. God of Jacob, look on our shield, O God, with your favor on your anointed one. That he not only protects us and shields us, he finally says, this God who's a giver of life, this God who, who, who protects and, and shields us, this God who is our strength, this God who gives life to all that we want to be in his presence, it says he's finally, he's sovereign over all things. Better is one day in your courts, he says, than a thousand elsewhere. He gives this imagery of it's better to be the doorkeeper of your house than to live in luxury in the mansions of wicked people. This is what the psalmist, this is what they sing. Just give me, just let me be the doorman. To be the doorman, to stand right outside the door of your house is far better than to live in luxury, the tents and the mansions of the wicked. In verse 10 and 11, it goes on to say this. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk in blamelessness. At the very end, this is why they want to be in the presence of God. This is why they have this deep yearning, this overwhelming desire to be in God's presence. It's because the God who gives life, who gives strength, who's a shield, who is a protector, the God who is sovereign, he holds everything together to live the life that God has called us to live. I remember as a kid going to a youth conference and whoever was speaking, they had this imagery that I still remember today 
he says, Scripture gives us this image that God is holding all of creation in his hands, and if he let it go, it would be chaos. That God holds everything together for you and I to have life. And without his hands carefully and delicately holding it all together with all his might, it would all fall apart. This is why God's people want to be in his presence. Because entering God's presence is like coming home. Being in God's presence is like being I've got to be completely honest with all of you. During this pandemic, I haven't felt at home always. Now, I've been at home a lot. I'm going to talk a little bit about myself, and I think on some ways you'll be able to resonate with me. That's, that's my hope. There were times at the beginning that... Um, I'm, I'm enough of an introvert that being at home was like, yes, this is good. But then slowly I began to, to yearn for life to be back to normal. I had this overwhelming desire for life to go back to the way it was. And then kind of all of a sudden, I feel like this fall for me, it kind of went back to normal. And I got to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't feel at home there either. I was talking with John, and he shared, we shared this same thing this morning. Is that, man, I just feel totally out of rhythm. I don't know if it's the new normal. I don't know if it's the old normal. I don't know if it's, I was used to not, my life not being so busy, and now it's so busy, but I feel all out of whack. I don't feel, you know the feeling of being at home where you're secure, and you have well-being, and there's peace, you may not be feeling like that now, but I'm sure over the past year and a half, there's been moments in your life, if you're like me, that you just didn't feel at home. And if there's ever a time that we needed the presence of God, surely it's these days. Surely it's the days when you don't feel at home. Surely it's these days where you don't have that well-being and security. And for you, when you think of home, it might not be a place. It might be a person. It might be a people. It might not actually be your home. But that place where you feel that life happens to the fullest and you feel most secure. The place you want to be if you had a choice to be there and to be there with consistency all the time. That's home. And the psalmist says to us, the presence of God, that's home. But experiencing the presence of God is not something that is just mysteriously happens all the time. In my 45 years, I've discovered that. I don't always feel it. 
But here's what I've come to understand, that experiencing the presence of God is a regular practice in my life. It's a journey towards God. It's a journey towards His presence in my life. Because you see, there are physical aspects of of what we can learn from Psalm 84 about our lives. There are physical aspects about what they do where they actually experience the presence of God. The presence of God just doesn't show up. They actually do things like they go on a pilgrimage. They go on a journey. They actually worship together during these festivals. They eat and they fellowship. They celebrate. They have regular practices within Israel, and it's through these practices, these are practices that are sacramental, that through these practices, they say we experience God's presence in our lives through these practices. And when you practice these things, you experience His presence. But some may actually say, including myself, but man, I'm not sure I actually desire God, the presence of God, like the psalmist says. I want to desire him, but I'm not sure that I do. And I think the psalm tells us that as we practice these things, as we practice the presence of God, that desire will grow as well. I want to tell you about someone that's been somewhat influential in my life. He lived about 400 years ago, over 400 years ago. It's this little book. I don't know if you've, if you've ever read this little book, Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. It's not actually by Brother Lawrence. It was just a collection of his writings. He was born in around 1614 in France, and his name was Nicholas Herman. And he got drafted into the Thirty Years' War, and he experienced lots of trauma during that war. He actually was captured uh, and was set to be executed, but somehow talked his way out of it and escaped and actually went back to his company. And when he left the war, he actually had a really bad injury, and he, he limped for the rest of his life. That's when he received it when he was a teenager. So in his early 20s, he started working in France, and... What he says in his writings is this. He, he actually wasn't very educated. His parents could only afford like just an elementary school education. So he wasn't that educated. But what he said was, is that, you know, I had a high view of God and I had a high view of God's love. And so I wanted to experience that God and his love all the time. So he actually joined a monastery. But because he wasn't so educated, they didn't give him all the, the, the rituals of singing, uh, of, of leading you know, the priestly life of leading the worship and all this stuff. What they did was they assigned him to the kitchen. And he just, he peeled potatoes all day. And he found it to be very boring. And he said, this is not what I came to experience. But what was interesting about him is that over time he said, you know what? Maybe it's not the place that I am, but maybe... It's not the place that I am where I find God, but maybe it's this, it's, it's, it's that I practice just enjoying and being in the presence of God. So he began, as he peeled potatoes and hated his own life, he just said, how can I just meditate on God? And over time, 
even though he wasn't highly educated, people came out and sought him because there was something about Brother Lawrence that drew people to him. In fact, this book, we have some of the letters that were published shortly after he died because he started writing back and forth to different people. And there's this one letter that he writes to this woman that says, hey, how can I worship God all the time? He asks this question. And Brother Lawrence writes back. We just have his response back. And he says this. He goes, oh, how I wish you could just leave the business and all your worries behind and worship God all day long. But I know you can't do that. But here's what you can do. You can just start small and take one little step at a time and practice the presence of God in your life. And so he offers these four things. He says to her, he goes, here's what God wants more than anything. He just wants you to remember him now and then. Just as you go through your daily life, just give him thanks for the small things in your life. Just recognize him in your life. Just when something good happens, say, thanks God, or there was God in my life. Just every now and then, remember God. And he says this. He says, and every day, adore God. In other words, every day, love what God loves. Try to love justice. Try to love mercy. Try to love righteousness. And not only love what God loves, love who God loves. Love God's people. Love your neighbor. Love your enemy. And he says not only to remember God every once in a while and to love what he loves, but to pray for mercy and compassion. I had a student this week was actually talking in a class about values and he goes you know my number one value that I really wish that I would live by is I really want to put God first in my life love him but I don't think I do that but I really want to do that and I admired that student because if we're honest that's that's our desire as well sometimes we desire God but sometimes it's just enough or it's just a little bit to say I desire I just want to desire God more and I remember my good friend and teammate, Mark Moore, who was uh, a teammate with me in Uganda, he said, I used to get up in the morning and run, and every morning I'd pray this prayer, God, just give me the desire to follow you. And the next day, he'd get up, and he goes, God, I just want the desire to have the desire to follow you. And the next day, he'd get up, and he said, God, I just want to have the desire to have the desire to have the desire to have the desire to follow you. And every day he got up and he prayed that prayer. Lord, just give me the desire to have the desire to have the desire. And finally he says this. He says not only to think of God now and then, to pray or to, or, uh, to love what God loves and to pray, but he says volunteer for tough duty and service of the Lord. If you want to experience the presence of God in your life, volunteer for tough service. Step out of your comfort zone. Give your time. Give your energy. Do something, whether it be in this church or in your community or in 
your home. Meet with a reader and friend speak. Volunteer with our youth. We have all kinds of stuff that we need help with. And you may think, oh, I can't do that. And if you think, I'm not the one to do that, Brother Lawrence says, if you want to experience God's presence, volunteer for that tough duty. Become more involved in your small group. Give of yourself in ways that will stretch you, that will help you grow, that will help you lean into the presence of God that is already there, but that you're not going to experience or know until you actually do tough duty, tough service. Brother Lawrence says this later on to this woman. He says, when you begin practicing all these things, here's what happens. When we stay focused on God and his presence, we discover a holy freedom to go to the Lord for everything that we need. The breath to breathe for him. The life to live for him. grace to just keep going and after a while he says with practice being in God's presence this way becomes totally a natural habit for us there's no place like home there's no place like home in the presence of God and if we follow the path, if we take one small step at a time, if we set each of our hearts on a pilgrimage, if we practice the presence of God in our lives, we will experience God's presence. And we'll all stand together sing in unity these words.